Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Our reporting, CNN's reporting and the Washington Post reporting suggests the prosecutors think they could, they have enough to charge your son, Hunter, uh, for tax crimes and a false statement about a gun purchase. Um, personally and politically, um, how do you react to that? Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, he's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is, what he says and does are consistent with what happens. Um, and, uh, for example, he wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it. I'm proud of him. He- this is why fathers are not in charge of the justice system for their kids. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Hunter Biden agreeing to plead guilty in a federal tax and gun case. He's pleading to misdemeanors of willfully willful failure to pay federal income tax and a pretrial diversion agreement regarding lying on a federal form to purchase a firearm. He lied. He is an unlawful user of or addicted to a controlled substance. He lied on the form saying he wasn't. He lied to purchase a firearm in a country where his father is president and is going to crack down on you, lawful gun owner, for having an AR-15, which he thinks is an assault rifle. Then again, this was the guy who told you that he would go down to Philadelphia and they were selling assault rifles right out the back. It's embarrassing the way uh, he acts, the way he engages and tells these stories. But he's constantly speaking out about how we need to do more about guns. And yet his own son gets pretrial diversion. Would you? What if his name was Eric Trump? Would he? Oh, they don't want to talk two-tier justice system? That's fine. We'll talk about two-tier justice system. All day, all night, all the time, we'll talk about two-tier justice system. And I will get into that uh, in depth with William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com as we break down uh, these charges. Now, this wasn't actually going to be my, my top story today. My top story today was about Trump and uh, the trial being set for mid-August. And I was like, isn't that... Does anybody else think that sounds ridiculously early? Like, crazy, crazy early that the 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 trial over classified documents will begin in, in mid-August and, and the lawyers have to have the pre-trial motions in by July 24th. That just seems very, very quick. 
quicker than I, I, I would assume a lot of people were prepared for. Now, maybe this is just the start of something, and we're going to be months and months into handling all these motions, handling all these other things, till we actually get to the trial moment. But it's moving. Trump being tried for these classified documents. Some people are going to, in a, in a very foolhardy way, share that, oh, look at people upset about what happened to Hunter Biden. Like there's any connection between what Hunter Biden did and what Donald Trump did. This, of course, is not the conversation. The conversation is about whether or not the law applies equally. I can discuss me being bothered by Trump having these documents. That's different than whether or not legally he could. If the act of taking the document is the declassifying of the document. But that's that's over here. That's that is stuff over here and I can take a look at Trump being charged and say that didn't happen to Joe Biden. That didn't happen to Hillary. Oh, sure, you want to bring about the whataboutism. If we're having an equal application under the law, why aren't we discussing the equal application under the law? Which brings us now to the conversation about Hunter Biden and this gun charge, even more so than the tax charges. Because what would be the equal application under the law here? What Republican with the last name Trump would get the pretrial diversion? And my answer is none. None of them. They would all be charged to levels of extent we could not comprehend. And you say to me, Tony, how could you say such a thing? You're just being biased. Can we go back to Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney? Just a, ju just for a little bit of a, you know what's in the giggles? Can we go back to Trump being charged for this? They paid Stormy Daniels from this account. Should have been that account. That's a felony? It's not a felony. Oh, wait, you want to call it a felony because it's Trump? Gotcha. I will dig into more of this two-tiered justice system. And certainly, um, this, uh, this conversation uh, about uh, Trump's trial, I'm just surprised that it was coming so quickly. Now, there was another thing that came up. Again, a story that isn't going to get much coverage. And this is the story of Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and his thoughts regarding his meeting with Xi Jinping. It's, it's an interesting uh, conversation here because it's a... It's kind of a voiceover thing going on. But it had the the conversation or the comments from Anthony Blinken, an interview that was done, I believe, by NBC News. And it was important to hear Anthony Blinken in a very um, questionable series of statements regarding the Chinese spy balloon. 
Xi's message to Blinken, I hope that through this visit, Mr. Secretary, you'll make more positive contributions to stabilizing China-U.S. relations. There's no shortage of flashpoints here. Tension over Taiwan, China's role in the fentanyl crisis, unanswered questions about the origins of COVID. Chinese officials not holding back on their grievances either, like U.S. export bans on technology. Tonight, in an interview with NBC News, Blinken said the two-day visit has stabilized ties, at least for now. Both China and the United States, I think, recognize that uh, we were in an increasingly unstable place in our relationship. I think this is um, the start of a process to put a little more stability into it. But China refused Blinken's request to reopen military crisis lines that were cut off by Beijing nearly a year ago. Since then, some close calls, including this Chinese warship sailing within 150 yards of a U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Strait, and this Chinese fighter jet darting in front of an American surveillance plane, something we saw for ourselves when we were on board another U.S. Navy plane intercepted by a Chinese jet. We've seen a couple of very dangerous incidents in the last couple of weeks. China's now. These weren't just a couple of incidents. These are provocations to see response and test response. The Russians have been doing this for years. This is not only to test response, but to try and show other nations, if we're just going to argue Taiwan, but really other nations, look, we've got it. We could take on the Americans toe-to-toe. This is why you got to be with us. As a matter of fact, we should change currencies. We should do this, that, and the other. This is not just a couple of very dangerous incidents in the last couple of weeks, as Anthony Blinken is saying. But it gets more embarrassing. Chinese jet. We've seen a couple of very dangerous incidents in the last couple of weeks. China says the encounters are justified to protect its sovereignty. Blinken's first trip here was called off after that Chinese spy balloon, which was shot down after it flew over the U.S. Senior U.S. officials told NBC News it collected intelligence from American military sites. I think it was more embarrassing than it was tension. So with Beijing, the balloon incident is over. Water under the bridge? We did what we needed to do to protect our interests. We said what we needed to say and made clear what we needed to make clear in terms of this not happening again. And so uh, as long as it doesn't, that, uh, that chapter should be closed. What did we do to protect our interests? Let the balloon fly? And remember, go back. When the balloon was quote unquote discovered, the balloon was discovered over Montana because Tommy happened to look up in the sky and he turned to his friend Steve and said, Steve, look at that balloon. And Steve said, oh my God, Tommy, that balloon's freaking huge. And then they called some friends and were like, do you see this balloon or are we still wicked high from last night? And Paulie was like, I'm pretty sure you're still high. I'm wasted as can be. I can't even find my pants. And then Tommy said, you should look in the sky. Maybe that's what the balloon is made of. And they all had a big laugh. And then they went back to saying, wow, that thing is huge. But that's not when they noticed it when we're talking about the U.S. military. They knew when it launched. They knew when it launched. You didn't shoot it down then? It wouldn't that 
be protecting our interests, say what we needed to say and make clear what we need to make clear in terms of this not happening again. I'm paraphrasing Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State right there. Wouldn't that have been the maneuver? The proper time, the proper place, the proper moment, the proper freaking everything? You let it fly over the totality of the U.S. U.S. senior officials uh, tell NBC News it collected intelligence from American military sites. It's water, and when when uh, the reporter asks, is it water under the bridge? And Blinken says, so long as it doesn't happen, that chapter should be closed. The problem is, is that Americans don't talk the way they need to talk. American sovereignty is everything, and it will be respected even from our allies. And if we have to teach our friends a lesson to ensure they respect our sovereignty, that's sometimes what friends have to do. You know, sometimes you need a good spanking. Now, that would have been a statement. Blinken's statement is not a statement. Now, sometimes you don't actually make the statement because the statement gets done in other ways through other actions. I can appreciate, and I think you could appreciate, that there is to diplomacy levels of subtlety. But one has to recognize what a statement like this says to Americans. And what this says to us is... We don't know. We're afraid to say anything. China big and scary. This sound like leadership to you? Because this isn't leadership. So yes, the uh, trial of Trump is going to be happening on August 14th. That's at least when things are going to get started. Yes, Hunter Biden uh, gets uh, pleads guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges and a felony gun charge where he's going to get pretrial diversion. He's never going to go to jail for lying on a federal form. And all the while, people won't even notice that American foreign policy looks awfully, awfully weak to the rest of the world. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is down 267, the Nasdaq's down 55, but everything's fine. No, I agree. You, you can't utilize the market being down as a way of saying there's a, there's a real problem. It's the market. Wall Street is far different than Midwest Main Street. Midwest Main Street is a sizzling hot mess. I mean, it's, it is just the interest rates, the inability to uh, get capital to build a, a business, the supply chain issues that are still out there. Ain't nobody got time for that. This is, this is madness. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Student loan payments will restart in October. Huh. Well, that's. That's good to know. According to the education department, the payments will be starting uh, then, and interest on their debt will start accruing even sooner. They put on the website, payments will be due starting in October. Of course, during COVID, no one had to pay back anything. AJ, have you had to pay back student loans at, at, at all? Uh, yeah. So wait, wait, have you been paying back your student loans? 
Not really. I know. No. So, but now that it's back, you're going to start paying them again. I'm going to try my best to. Okay. I know that's my new financial goal is to make some effort towards it. Right. Yeah. So, so th- th- this is about this isn't about a willingness to pay. This is about dollars and cents. You're dollars talking about cents, amount yeah. to pay. Yeah. So I think that's a different conversation because I don't I don't know every every one of these 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 lenders right these organizations. But I got to assume if that you're the payment's supposed to be a hundred, but you could pay back fifty. I think they'll take your fifty. Yeah, they'll take the fifty. You know, they'll re- they'll work that through with you, won't they? Mm-hmm. They'll add it on later on. They'll kind of do the math later right. on towards the end of it, tail end. So, yeah. should I ask how big your student loans are? I'm at like forty thousand in student loan debt. Are you really? Yeah. Wait, what did you get a degree in? Am I allowed to? I mean, we don't have to do this right now. I'm in it. What in radio? <laughs> yeah, I'm in it. You schmuck! <laughs> I know. Nobody goes into radio. <laughs> oh my gosh! But hey, it's it's fun. I love it. Well, oh, that makes yeah. it better. Yeah. That makes it better. <laughs> if anybody wants to contribute to the AJ fund, just send uh just send uh you know what, Venmo me. And I'll and I'll make sure he gets it. Minus administrative fees, of course. Clearly huge on the administrative fees. Uh if you if you took the money, you gotta pay back the money. And I say that and I say that in front of AJ right here. I say it right right in right in front of him. But the amount of people are gonna be angry. Be like, how dare you make us pay this? This was all part of, of that deal that Biden made. So the three-year pause, according to CNBC, saved the average borrower $15,000. Wait, how? Because they didn't have to make that payment. They were able to keep that money. And if you take a look at the amount of money they were keeping over that time frame, they were... Oh, well, wait a second. Now we got to go back to you, AJ. Put you on the spot. Okay. The money that was supposed to go to the student loans. Yes. What happened to that money? It got spent on other things. And okay. Necessities that and, they make so I could live. And, that, and that's exactly <laughs> and that's exactly it. This is the argument that people are going to make. Wait a second. You knew you had the responsibility. You knew that it was yours. You made a decision. You you being a responsible dude. You show up here every day, man. You you you, you work with me. You're a responsible cat. I I dig what you do. Um, and you said no. I got to use it here. I got to use it there. And that will help me do X, Y, and Z, and put me in a position to do more and more things. Some people said, oh, it's free money. And didn't engage any level of responsibility with it. Didn't invest in their own future. Didn't invest in their own time. Uh, and so now they're going to be infuriated that they have to pay it back. They're going to be like you have friends who have to pay back their loans who are not happy. AJ. Mm-hmm. Some are of them they, are close to paying it off too. Are they angry about having to pay back their loans? No. I mean, yeah. they're just, yeah. they just—it's it, become a habit for them. So they're like, oh, made a student loan payment. Okay. But they didn't have to do it for a couple years there, for a few years. It was there. nice for them. I think they appreciated that. Did they still do it? Like, if you wanted to make pay a student loan back, could could you have? Yeah, they're keeping that. They're trying their best to keep the interest as low as possible. Ah, okay, okay. I get I get it. So not everybody is just some of of your age group is not some kind of taker. No, some of us are trying to pay back the interest more than we can actually get to the actual debt. Are you are you millennial or are you Z? I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. It's okay. I'm well, trying, all right. No, you're doing, dude. <laughs> dude, you're doing, you're doing just fine. By the way, the AJ Fund, 40 Monument Circle, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46204. Make your check out to AJ. 
He'll take care of the. He'll take care of the rest. Or don't. Or don't. You didn't get to choose his degree. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Sir, there is something personal that's affecting you. Your son, while there's no ties to you, could be charged by your Department of Justice. How will that impact your presidency? First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Hunter Biden has, well, he's expected to or has pled guilty to two minor tax crimes. Two misdemeanors, but he's also going to plead guilty to a felony gun charge. This to end the DOJ investigation. And one wonders whether or not this is a deal that's supposed to be taken at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Let me bring in William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. You have the story, of course, Hunter Biden pleading guilty to firearm felony tax misdemeanors. What are uh, the, well, really, what were the charges? What is he pleading guilty to? And should this end any other investigation into him? Well, you know, these have just been announced. So, you know, I've seen them. I can't tell you the statutory details of them, but as described, it's misdemeanors for tax taxes, and it is a felony for the gun possession, uh, but sounds like he's going to be entering into a diversion program. So the likelihood is he'll never see a jail cell. Uh, So, This thing is a complete whitewash. I have no hesitation in saying that. Put Trump after his name and he'd be going away for years. He would never have been uh, treated so leniently. Uh, Make him a Republican and he would not have been treated so leniently. Uh, You know, these are, you know, gun felonies. The son of a president who supposedly wants to crack down on illegal possession of guns. Um, And there's I don't think this addresses the issue that he falsely filed, um, you know, uh, various uh, form, federal forms uh, with regard to gun possession. So, you know, at least at first glance, based on what's been reported, you know, an hour ago, it appears that they have cut him a favor and the FBI and the DOJ want to put this behind them. The idea that they're able to just put it behind them, this 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 conversation that you bring up and, and I do agree with if Trump was the name, if Republican was after the name, you you know, and I know we all know all part of this program uh, that it would be uh, a much more aggressive uh, offense. The conversation of two-tier justice now comes back into play and you have people like uh, Dana Bash over there at CNN who want to claim that there is no two-tier justice system. As a matter of fact, there is no proof of a two-tier justice system. How dare you uh, make that statement at all? Based on what you just said, sir, this certainly seems like what people are discussing when they say two-tier justice. You think they're right in making that assessment? Well, if the Department of Justice wants to continue to destroy any trust that people have in it, uh, this is a good way to go about it. It's to, you know, uh, 
file indictments against Donald Trump when there's no evidence of actual harm to national security. It's that he allegedly didn't comply with the regulations, that he put things at risk, but they don't allege any actual harm to national security and to go after him with the full weight of the federal government. Yet Hunter Biden, who committed felonies with regard to gun possession and, uh, you know, for a, a federal government that supposedly wants to crack down with that is treated with kid gloves. So, I mean, this is this is a prime example. So I think that, you know, the, the Department of Justice is slowly but surely destroying any trust that at least half the population have in the federal, uh, you know, uh, government's prosecutorial uh, powers. And this is just another example. Maybe it's not even the most important example, but it's just another example of why half the population doesn't think they're going to get a fair shake from the Department of Justice. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And of course, this is this idea of the controversy is being discussed. This was Catherine Herridge over at CBS, and I have long been a fan of Catherine Herridge. I thought when she left Fox, it was a huge blow to Fox's uh, journalistic uh, opportunities because she is just as good as they come. Listen. I can tell you, having covered this for several years now, that this is likely to be a very controversial plea agreement, especially with Republicans on Capitol Hill. Over the last few years, not only in the House, but in the Senate, their investigators have raised very serious questions about these business deals with Chinese nationals, as well as this Ukraine energy firm, Burisma. And then more recently, we've had whistleblowers come forward. An IRS whistleblower spoke on the record with CBS News, as well as whistleblowers from the Justice Department have gone to Capitol Hill complaining that this investigation has been slow walked and that standard investigative procedures have not been followed. So this may just be the beginning of the story in many respects. I can tell you now she she brings up an extremely good point, sir, that people are going to ask, well, wait a second, if he gets to go into a diversion program for a felony that would put you and I in jail, lying about being a drug user on a government forum to purchase a firearm. And you're correct. And I think it's important to remember what it is that President Biden has said about guns and these misdemeanors on tax charges that maybe for a Republican would be seen as a felony. This is now going to lead people into, so wait a second, what happens to the laptop and the Burisma deal and the China deals and the... Does this all go away? Is this plea agreement, sir, something that makes the other stuff disappear, or is that in its own separate world? Well, logically, it's in its own separate world. They're, they're separate events. But I think politically and from what we all have observed, this has every appearance at this moment in time of being part of a you know legal whitewash by the Department of Justice. Get Hunter Biden out of the way. Uh, Say you've held him accountable when we all know you haven't, at least not as accountable as he would have been if it was, you know, Donald Trump Jr. uh, who did these things. And so I think that we suspect strongly that that the motivation of the Department of Justice is to get rid of the Hunter Biden problem. Uh, Nothing that they've done so far, certainly in the last two years or beyond, uh, gives us faith that they will treat this 
the same way they would have treated it had it been the son of a prominent Republican politician. Can we get into the concept of what a prosecutorial discretion is, how it how it works and, and how you've how you in, in, in your legal career have, have seen that applied? Well, I think, you know, maybe a simple, maybe an overly simple example would be speeding. Uh, the government doesn't have the resources to prosecute, stop and pull over and issue a ticket to every person who exceeds the speed limit. They just don't have the resources. So they tend to only prosecute the more serious people who are speeding. And whether it's true or not, kind of the prevailing wisdom is that as long as you're under 10 to 10 miles an hour, you know, uh, above the speed limit, you're not going to get pulled over. So if you're in a 55 zone and you're going 62, very unlikely you'll be pulled over. But if you're going 72, that's a different story. That's prosecutorial. That's also police discretion that you can't prosecute everything. So you have to make choices. And typically those choices would be that you only prosecute the more serious offenses. Um, But, uh, and that's prosecutorial discretion. Uh, And so But the question becomes, it's not prosecutorial discretion if you treat two people who are both going 20 miles over the speed limit differently based on their politics. And that's what everybody suspects is going on here. It's that the discretion is not how serious a crime has to be before you prosecute it. It's that even for equally serious crimes, different people are being treated differently based on the politics of it. So now if I were to to put this into the Trump-Biden parlance here, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, takes a look at some payments made to Stormy Daniels via Michael Cohen. Something that is a clerical error. It should have been account number one. It came from account number two or got categorized in account number two. And it should have been account number one. It isn't a felony unless you desperately want it. And Alvin Bragg decides that's a felony. But what is a felony, which is falsifying this form, lying on this form, that can be pled out to an intervention, a diversion, whatever the, the terminology was, and no jail time. That's the, the prosecutorial discretion we're looking at here. And this is exactly that two-tiered system that if it was done the other way, if if Trump had uh, falsified a form and if uh Hunter Biden had paid one of his many uh, consorts from uh, account one instead of account two. He would never have been charged with a felony and Trump would have been charged and pushed. They would have pushed for jail time. Yeah, I mean, that that's unfortunately the Department of Justice has lost the uh, presumption of neutrality when it comes to these things. You know, we've seen it over many years. Um, And that's unfortunate because obviously the Department of Justice, the FBI, can and should serve an important role in protecting citizens of this country and protecting our society from people who really do mean it harm. So these are extremely important agencies, but they've become so politicized. I mean, what could be worse than, you know, James Comey, the then director of the FBI, engaging in what amounted to a sting operation himself personally to set up Donald Trump his first or second day in office by making a visit to the White House so that the uh, the Steele report could be leaked to CNN. I mean, that is the head of the FBI at the time. I mean, this is so terrible what they have become. And they have no one to blame but themselves. 
And all of the anger about this disparate treatment of people, the politicization of the DOJ, they have really no one to blame but themselves for it. And there's no end in sight. And I think this Hunter Biden whitewash is just another example of it and another reason why people no longer have faith in our federal prosecutors. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There's more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. The sub is still missing. The one that tours the Titanic and you get up close and you're thousands of feet under the surface. 96 hours of oxygen available in its reserves and it went missing about an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes after launching. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. This is a search and rescue mission as described by the U.S. Coast Guard. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It's called Titan, holds five people. And it carries tourists to view the Titanic's remains, which is about 12,000 feet at the bottom of the Atlantic off the coast of Newfoundland. This is a crazy thing to do. But people do crazy things. They want to, to do the thing that nobody else has done. They want to be adventurers. As a matter of fact, one of the people on this submersible, on this, this submarine, British billionaire who does these kinds of things, wants to do these kinds of hair-raising or death-defying feats. Well, there's this is death-defying. When you, when you do this, you sign a waiver saying, look, here are all the different ways you can die. According to David Pogue, who has actually done this before, he's like, you sign a waiver. It says, these are the different ways I could die. They outline it for you. I'm not making fun of these people. I don't mind when people say, hey, I want to go try something. You feel free. What I am concerned by is all the people in the search. I relate this to people who do levels of extreme hiking. I love to hike. I know, I know, I don't look it. I love to hike. I adore every bit of it. Arizona, whether it's Sedona, whether it's it's the, the Sonoran Desert, I I just love it like you wouldn't believe. And there are other areas that I want to get to, um, uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, so many things that I still haven't done yet. I just love the feel. I love the, the it's, it's very relaxing. It's unbelievably head-clearing moment because you're only focused on the step in front of you and the view around you. Um, there are people who do extreme hiking and go into these radical trails that are clearly dangerous. And some people, man, they love it. That's that's to them living. But then they get lost or then they get harmed and other people have to go find them. They don't prepare. They don't let people know. They don't engage a buddy. They don't have any level of detection. They just go. And then other people have to search for them and those people get hurt. I'm not okay with that. I am as bothered by that as anything. Now you say to me, Tony, if someone's lost, we go find them. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, because that's the humanity. That's who we are as people. Of course we go find them. My issue is 
going to find them often leads to other people being hurt, being harmed, or dying. I'm not okay with that. If you expect me to make fun of these people, up, oh, up, oh, these, you know, they, uh, they, they, when they went down there, oops, nah, not me. But man, if anybody else gets hurt going to search for them, I'm going to go nuts. What you did was in every way dangerous. The seas are still remarkably dangerous. We know more about outer space than we know about the oceans. That's insane. That's insane. Outer space is like out there and the seas are right here. Dip my, dip my toes in them. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. That's crazy town. We have figured out how to go up and not down. That's amazing to me. But I'm, I'm, I just, I'm amazed when people are willing to really engage that kind of risk. I, I feel the same way about skydiving. I don't, I, I, I don't get it. But hey, you do you. You do you and you accept the risks and these people clearly do. I only hope they're okay. I hope uh, that it's found and they're able to bring it back to the surface and whatever the, the issue is, is that they're able to uh, get corrected. I, I can appreciate that people want to do the thing. It's like I appreciate the explorer. You got to go over the hill. You got to do what's next. But you also have to accept the consequences that come with that, the risks that come with that. And you cannot ask other people to risk for you because you have risked. That's all. And some people consider that a hard statement. I think that's the most honest statement. I really do hope these people are found. Uh, you've got U.S. aircraft. You've got Canadian aircraft that are all part of the search. I hope they're found quickly. This is Tony Katz today.